I think she tried. It's, <laughs> anyway, it's for the best. There was a scare in the early nineties. I was going to say Arthur probably would have done it for you if you had been his parent. Yes, it's probably true. I would definitely put a pillow over his face. Are you kidding? Me? I've tried it in the office five <laughs> and times. He's prominent. I'm Jack Nicholson. I've seen him more. I know how it works. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss, and sometimes murdering one another. Um, doing a film studies kind of analysis. But it's okay, because it's in the same way that it happens in uh, Shadow of a Doubt. It's just a couple it, guys having fun, just, you know, talking about how to murder how one to another. Do, yeah, you know, mushrooms. Mushrooms would be a good idea. I've got a few movies in mind. Yeah, you know, you did at one point. Kiss me, darling. We've already... <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Uh, in case you're tuning in the show for the very first time, this is an analysis show, not a review show, and that therefore means we will spoil the movie. This week's film, as we continue in our 2018, uh, 2018, 2023 in review blind spot show, uh, as we continue in that vein, um, my pick is the Last Voyage of the Demeter, uh, and uh, we're going to be spoiling. You did this to us. I did this to you. We're going to spoil the movie though and tell you how it ends, in case you haven't read the book or know what happens. Uh, this is one of those movies that seems anticlimactic in that sense, but I mean, if you know, you know, but also still fun. But uh, anyway, we're going to spoil the movie. We're going to avoid the spoilers in this way, though. We'll have synopsis. We'll have quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews just to let you know how the movie hits. Then we'll move on to our little game called Expanding the Syllabus, which probably indicates spoilers of films in this film's orbit more so than the movie itself. And then we get down to business. There's music to let you know that that, mu- um, that business has gotten down to. Oh, and by the way, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And so that's how the voices um, will reign in your ears. Um, Arthur, do you have a synopsis for us? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I um, wasn't actually asking. Was it a command? I was. Well, what is the, I, what's I, the implication? I was sort of segueing into you doing the thing. Is the the, the point there? The merchant ship Demeter is charged with delivery of a mysterious shipment traveling from Bulgaria to London, with a bonus for speedy delivery, mon- motivating the sailors. But once on the open water. The crew discover the shipment is much more dangerous than they could have ever imagined. Based on the opening chapter of Dracula. See how dramatically ineffective it is to like say something mysterious Based and then explain it. Based on a movie it. inspired by Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based, <laughs> Based on the movie Andy went I thought and about saw. that the other day. I, yeah. I don't know why, but I, I thought a, about that um, bit. I have a marquee picture from my hometown theater that says Toy Story 4 and, and then also as Annabelle comes home. And that's just one movie in my mind forever. That's pretty good. They're yeah. not that far unrelated. Yeah. You're, you're right. So, Dustin. Put down uh, the chainsaw, Woody. I'm, I'm going to break the rules. Uh, oh. This is the part of the show where we do thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We kind of say what we think about the movie. Mm-hmm. And usually mm-hmm. Dustin goes last. But he was the picker of this weird little film, which mm-hmm. it makes sense. Arthur, you gave us pretty strict parameters. Make Pick a movie mostly in English and it better have less than an 80% of Rotten Tomatoes. Mission accomplished, Dustin. Yeah, it was like 79, right? Or right out of Oh, yeah, no, sure. Like 50, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Dustin saw his opening for his, his campy drag. I say campy. His, it's not campy. It's not campy at all, but his uh, silly. Schlocky. Schlocky. There we go. That's the adjective Is I needed. It's schlocky. It's pretty schlocky. Okay. Dustin got to pick his schlocky vampire I movie. I don't know the schlocky. Well, what is it, Dustin? Critics think it is. In that case. I, critic, I don't know what critics are thinking. I, 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 I don't think like a critic. I don't think for the most part. And that is one of those things um i have different sets of interests is this movie atmospheric yes is this movie um scary i think yes is this movie able to continue with some sort of dread and suspension of disbelief while you are looking at real life kind of characters real life adjacent kind of characters when there's a big bad scary thing on their boat I, I think all that works. Do they use the boat well? Yes. Do they use special effects well? Yes. Does it use the music well? Yes. Are the performances great? Yes. What more do you want? I. It's a scary movie. I mean, it's it 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 is not Citizen Kane. Which automatically uh, being scary makes it automatically lesser than every other movie. I think that's it. Yeah, is what you just said. I well, I mean, I guess it must be what it is because <laughs> it does all the things right. I I'm, I don't have a problem with it. Is it the middle of a big big story about a Dracula that we are sort of familiar with? Yes. Is it familiar in that sense? I mean, since that chapter is pretty light and uh, pretty elliptically edited through those uh, very, very spotty kind of journals that are recovered in chapter seven, if memory serves, of Bram Stoker's Dracula. So yeah, 
it, it's definitely filling it out and doing some stuff there. But I, I don't have a problem with this movie at all. I, I had a good time. I was like, this is. I wish they would do more of this. I, I, I would love to see a world in which we we see Harker arriving and just this Harker and Harker's escape, and that's a movie. Lucy getting vampire predated and then you know her final death great and then like a chase movie at the end with everybody in the sort of scooby gang going after dracula at the end you could have four or five movies easy peasy and this sort of like proof of concept works for me so yeah I like it a bunch. I don't know what you want from me. What do you? What do? What do you? Okay, Dalton, you seem to be I'm, a little bit cooler on this. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm feeling aggressively protective now. All of a sudden, I'm happy. I'm happy that you're happy. You know, you like Dracula, and when they put Dracula in a movie, you smile. Yes. And I like to look at my friend and go, Ah, he's smiling because Dracula's on the screen, and that's <laughs> that's fine with me. Yeah, this is inoffensive it is yes. good i it makes big swings at times that i think are cool uh and bold for a, a big studio horror movie uh it definitely goes harder than you would expect a studio horror movie to go uh i think the effects are cool um is it alien on a boat yes yes 100 uh do you like alien ripoffs well yes. that's gonna tell you how much you like this movie if you find it you know if you watch movies like life and underwater and go mm, i don't like that they ripped off alien well, then, yeah, you're going to have a bad time at Voyage of the Demeter. I don't know, or last Voyage of the Demeter. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it is very much what it says on the tin. Uh, it's funny to me that this movie has been in development for so long. I know there's like this. It's passed through several pairs of hands over the last decade or so. Uh, so it's interesting to me that this was somebody's passion project. You know, they they finally got it to screen and it's fine. I, I, I do find some of the scare sequences a little repetitive. I don't know that any one of them is like really i think the one inside of the quarters like um where we, we have sort of one of the big most emotionally impactful uh mm, deaths mm-hmm. i think that one works really well uh the first one on deck at night is pretty cool and but you know i, I say on deck and at night like that's most of them so it doesn't really narrow it down uh, and i guess maybe that's the main problem is i, I don't know that our the set the, a movie that is pretty much only about its scare set pieces doesn't do enough to differentiate those set pieces for me, but I, I agree with you. Mostly, it mostly looks competent. I think the the blacks are a little. I don't think it was my TV, you know, that the, mm. was crushing the the blacks. I think it is just a very darkly shot film. I wonder how it would have looked in a theater, maybe a little bit better. Uh, but it is is at times you're. I was you know wasn't dealing with Claire. I watched the movie at night, so I don't. I did. I was really struggling to to visually mm. engage with the film at times, just because of how how darkly it's color graded sort of a, a feature of that, you know, nighttime digital photography we get sometimes. Um, so, you know, complaining about the look a little bit, but that, that's to be expected. You know, not every we, we lament the standard uh, of, of visual quality these mm-hmm. days a lot. And they're uh, not exactly throwing bazillions of dollars at this movie. No, either. this is pretty cheap. And it, I think it kind of shows in places. Um but yeah, no, I'm I'm on board with you that the performances are all like really solid. Um, what's his face? The Onion Knight from Game of Thrones. He's cooking. He's absolutely doing a great job. Uh, I think. Uh, oh, what's his name from Straight Outta Compton? Corey uh, Hawkins. I think it's Corey Hawkins. That might be. I'm going to look it up while we're talking about it. But I thought he's very compelling as our lead. Uh, I think the ways in which the movie uh, decides to be a very 2023 movie are sort of you know, interesting and well executed and, you know, will make the right people upset and make me giggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't I don't think it's I think it's pretty unobtrusive with the ways it tries to, you know, virtue signals, not the right word, but it is one of the first ones that comes to mind, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot to like here. Is it a great mo- movie, as Dustin said? No, certainly not. Not even a little bit. Uh, but, you know, for uh, we, we it is Corey Hawkins. That is his name. Mm. Um, it's a forty five million dollar movie as the reported budget. And, you know, that's what we're often lamenting is the lack of mid budget studio movies. So it, it is a shame that this movie really underperformed at the box office because I'm with you, Dustin. I'm hey, I get Universal says we make Dracula movies and we don't know what to do with them. So here's Renfield and here's Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, two very interesting swings at trying mm-hmm. to do something different with Dracula this year. I don't know that either one of them is a total success, but I think both are interesting at bats. Uh, I am, 
I, yeah, it's it's weird how badly this did. I don't know what that means for yeah. Universal. And or... I and I hate that because I mean I love these forty five million dollar movies. I I, I, yeah. I I'm thinking about the nineties, and I'm thinking about Morgan Freeman and Kiss the Girls. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about uh, Richard Gere and Primal Fear. Mm-hmm. None of these movies are going to change anybody's life. Denzel and Fallen. Denzel and which Fallen, which we love here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. another supernatural. Yeah, uh, so uh, a closer connection there. But again, they're not going to change anybody's life. There's nothing that that's really incredibly innovative innovative about them other than they're just a good time uh, solidly made you know there's no you know way in which it, it again it offends the senses when watching it and I, yeah this movie does that and i love those movies and no they're not the greatest of all time but i wish i had lots more of those and fewer of just swing or miss you know hundred million dollar plus movies you know that so anyway i like it yeah no i i for for that i do appreciate it i i totally agree um but yeah not a not a total success for me it just doesn't do enough to set itself apart um and is not visually arresting in the ways that i really wanted it to be there's a couple of shots that maybe, mm-hmm. whoa that's cool but uh it d- definitely doesn't pull me along and i don't know if it's because i'm i'm not a huge dracula fan like you i don't know if that's kind of you know not having that initial buy-in is making it harder well, for i like me. the goblin bat dracula i do like I, it i miss <sighs> having goblin bat yeah, draculas i like it when the dracula is is a little gross fucker you know i do i do like that uh uh, 30 Days of Night, one of my favorite depictions of vampires, just as like a, a maw, <laughs> like a maw that runs at you. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I like how he looks. It's very cool. Um, and there, yeah, there's some cool like horror set pieces. The gore's good. Like, yeah, some some pretty sick kills. Uh, the ending's a little haphazard, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's They're adapting one chapter of a book. Of mm-hmm. course, the ending's haphazard. What did you expect? Uh, I guess I... Th- at the end of the day, maybe the one, the fundamental one choice that should have been made differently is not just saying, hi, welcome to our movie based on Dracula. They really should have just let the movie slow play its reveal, even if mm-hmm. everybody in the audience is figuring it out know. five minutes in. Let the movie pretend it doesn't know, you know? Uh, Arthur, what about you? Are you a little warmer on this than me? Or are you closer to Dustin or myself? I'm uh, probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think it's solid. I, I, you know, I like Andre Albert uh, of Radel. I don't know how you say it. It's uh-huh. Swedish or whatever. Uh, I, I love Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. I think that was an incredible movie. And I don't know that this is as strong as uh, it's not as strong as that. But um, I enjoy I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's what Dustin said. If, if you like vampires on a boat, I don't know. Snakes mm-hmm. on a plane, vampires on a boat. Let's just go. You know, it's. It is what it is. And I think uh, obviously there's challenges to adapting a singular chapter from a work where you know uh, the outcome. Um, But it is a lot of fill in the blank type stuff. And I think it does enough to fill in those blanks in ways that are at least entertaining or engaging, if if nothing else. Um, I told him after watching it that, you know, yeah, I would... The funniest thing in the world would be for Universal just to adapt every chapter of this stupid book mm-hmm. um, and make movies out of it. I, I think it would be the funniest thing in the world, um, and I would watch them. Uh, I'm all there of them, for it. Yeah, you know, like I, I just need like the weird uh, character drama that is uh, Jonathan Harker and uh, and then the Count doing real estate talk mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. ninety minutes. Just like it's not even a, a, a thing. It's just a, like a social drama of them talking about real estate in London. Um, and, and doing things with that, like it's dumb, but it's funny. And I don't know, like it is a whole movie of Renfield at Seward's asylum. You know, there's a whole movie there. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's a fun idea and a fun concept. I was, you know, I really try to wrap my brain about other movies that have done this thing of adapting a singular chapter from a work. Uh, in such a way and there's not a ton of them um because it is very hard to pull off i mean the closest thing you can think of right is like biopics that only adapt like an, uh, impor- an important week or something yeah sure. yeah, 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 yeah yeah like, like steve jobs steve the, jobs the three big reveals, Selma, right? yeah yeah, those yeah, are, yeah yeah which is yeah, kind of the thing but not quite the same yeah yeah right um so i think it's an interesting concept and an interesting the way to go and to kind of like you know expand out this kind of what if scenario of what if we were on board the Demeter and what happened there kind mm-hmm. of a thing? I think that's fun. Um, I think it looks great. Uh, I, I think the, the vampire Dracula himself looks really good. I like the bat Drac. I do um, like to picture that Drac having real estate conversations with Jonathan Harker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We kind of get an idea of that at the end, right? When mm-hmm. we, we get to see him. a little top hat. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, so yeah, I like it. I, I enjoy it. Uh, but I watched it like three weeks ago and I don't know how well it stuck with me, which is kind sure. of like a big testament to it. But mm-hmm. you know, um, I would see like, casual audiences if they were going into this expecting 
a lot of like jump scare type thrills. It's definitely not that. It is definitely about setting a mood, setting a tone, developing an atmosphere. And if you don't get on board with that, I mean, even so, probably more so than you think Alien. Um, I, th- I think this is really about just setting the stage and pulling you into that world. And so if you can't get on that wavelength with it, I definitely see where you would bounce off of it. But I think the criticism, like, you know, we, we looked at some of the reviews for it and the criticisms of like, uh, it's based on a book. We know how it's going to end. That kind of stuff. Like, that's obviously the challenge. And I think it doesn't have to overcome that with mm. where it goes, because there's still a lot you can play with without spoiling it. And so I, I think it's clever enough in that. Uh, but I think it does show the signs of a movie that's been in developmental hell for 20 years, you yeah. know, and or 30 years, really, because I think this kind of starts getting kicked around because uh, the writer knew somebody from worked on Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? So like yeah. these ideas were kind of percolating then. Um, there's a vampire in the percolator. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm somewhere between you two. I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. I'd really wanted to see it and catch up with it. So I was thankful to do that. Um, not mad about it at all. Um, and I'm always in favor of more vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's a win in my column. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very good. Very good. Well, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus. And now Arthur's going to tell us what Expanding the Syllabus is all about. Well, expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, we we assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewings for the week. And that could include adjacent texts like books, articles, or even other films, video games, albums, you know, sky's the limit, art installations. I don't know. But anything that can supplement the material to draw out the thematic thread you were looking at. Cereal box covers. Hey, Count Chocula, baby. Count Chocula. <laughs> Do you have a syllabus prepared? The friend? last voyage of Count Chocula. One, two, three <laughs> dead children. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Would you tell me how to get... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I think the, the interesting thing here, I, I guess a spoiler alert already, um, is the idea of the what TV tropes calls the would hurt a child trope? Yeah, uh, which is the implication that the uh, villain or villains are extreme enough to off a child, uh, which is kind of like a big no no, especially like in classical Hollywood storytelling. Like you don't yeah. you don't touch the kids. Like you can kidnap them, you can kind of threaten them, but like you can't kill them. Hey, like that's like a bridge too far for some reason. Frankenstein drowns Marianne. It was a better time. A mm. different time, I mean. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but what about Gilligan? What did he do? <laughs> did Gilligan die? What? <laughs> did you say John Marianne? Yeah, well, uh, that's, that's the girl. Yeah, the little girl. From who, Gilligan's Island. From, <laughs> yeah, I knew what you were doing. Oh, right my God. I was, I was keeping up Thanks. with you. No, the one. Or uh, Anne Marie. Is it Anne Marie? It doesn't matter. Anne Frank. It's it. I, I forget the little girl's you name. You enabled Arthur's good joke, and okay. to me, that's all that the matters. The Diary of Anne Frankenstein. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> Oh no, we gotta get out of here. Talk talk about the dead children because that'll be. Exit, exit, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the dead children. <laughs> I am. I am hitting the ejector seat so hard. Oh <laughs> on this, on man, this bed. Oh, that's been too long. Dead kid jokes. Here. here we go. It's, it has uh, been too long since we recorded. You know the difference between jam. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely not. So we're gonna start with a movie Dalton's already mentioned. That's Thirty Days of Night, which does this pretty ballsily, I think, yeah. um, to great effect. Um, the idea of being able, or not being able, but to kill a child really does, I think, raise the stakes in a way that is pretty drastic, especially because it's something we are so unfamiliar, unfamiliar or unsubjected to, I guess, in classical Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for a villain or a story to do that really does kind of tonally raise the stakes in a way most kind of character deaths don't work. Um, or may not have the impact or ability to do. And so 30 Days of Night, I think, does this to great effect. Uh, from there, we talk maybe a little bit about Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, where I believe uh, some uh, brides feed on some babies uh, in that movie. Um, we take a look at Face Off, uh, where a child gets... Uh, sure, opening in minutes. The yeah. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of remorse is shown, but it, again, establishes the sort of um, place of our villain, what, what they... Uh, find to be maybe too far or not too far. And again, immediately kind of puts us in a certain headspace with them. Uh, we talk about Pan's Labyrinth, mm. I, I think here, mm-hmm. and the sort of tragedy that that kind of encapsulates in this way that that all comes together. Uh, a movie that we recently watched, a couple of movies we recently watched, we talk about Speak No Evil. Um, Oof. Yeah. Uh, because we see uh, one child die. Uh, we see another one attacked pretty 
uh, graphically and then know that their fate is probably going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let the right one in and let the right one in gives us an interesting pivot point because for all intents and purposes, the violence enacted upon the other children is from a child, which kind of, I think changes. I'm thinking about that pool scene mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. where I don't know that it is as off putting as if it were an adult or a other type of monster, right? That the thing that our, I can't remember our vampire's name in that. Ellie. Um, Ellie. Oh, yeah. Ellie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should know you've down the entire universe. I know. There's a certain sympathy we feel with her, too, because they're bullies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the other thing, right? Like, they kind of get their comeuppance, mm-hmm. uh, which it's, I think is an interesting talking point here. Yeah. Like, it's okay to kill bullies, but we don't kill innocent bystanders, you know? <laughs> um, and so that's where we go. And then we finally end. We end at Snyder's Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. uh, and the birth of the zombie baby. I kept wondering if you were going to say uh, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, I meant Rose, to put it on the list. Rose I didn't mean to put that on the list. Okay. Yeah, that would be another one. Yeah, man. Sorry, Jacob Trimbley. Do you... I I don't know any good Do I think way. of Rose the Hat often? Uh, me too. No, not that. Uh, kind of. Hey, do we know if QAnon is obsessed with Dr. Sleep? Because, you know, they're, they're basically uh, sucking adrenochrome out of the kids or whatever. You know, I don't know. No, I don't know, but I'm sure there's some sort of connective yeah. tissue there, yeah. I know. I, I, know I, I hate that our... Media literacy in the 2020s requires us to ask these questions, but that's <laughs> something I just found myself thinking about. That is wild. <laughs> that's very, very fun. Well, that's great. I love that syllabus, Arthur. Dalton, do you have a syllabus prepared, my friend? I thought about doing my my aforementioned uh, alien ripoffs or knockoffs, because there are a lot of them. But instead, I've come up with something that I'm calling In for a Penny, In for a Pound of Flesh. <laughs> cue you know electric guitar shredding yeah yeah um so i'm thinking of things where again whether it's this film or alien um those are kind of two big obvious ones films where the pursuit of of a payday um tempts our hero our heroine our final girl our final girls or boys Mm -hmm. tempts them into a very dangerous situation and it, it is this pursuit of money that keeps them saying yes even though they know they should turn back uh the other ones i have on on here are uh, the house of the devil mm-hmm. the ty west film that i know we all like uh, and uh, green room i'm trying to think I, I had some other ones that didn't get written down uh, but uh yeah alien this uh voyage of the demeter i mean green room and house of the devil were the first ones that really came to mind of like where money is the motivating factor for pulling our our characters into the horror scenario that they, yep. they would rather not be in. And I, I think it's an interesting exploration. You know, maybe it's just a module in horror in a horror tropes class. Uh, I don't know that it's it's its whole own thing. Uh, but I am interested in this idea because it is, you know, it's kind of like a, a reverse treasure of the Sierra Madre almost. It's not mm-hmm. it's not like the possession of the money driving a group of people mad and causing them to go after one another. It's not quite that it's, it's more the group has like agreed. We're going to do something stupid because maybe it'll pay off. Right. I I guess I'm thinking of simple plan quite a bit. Sure. Simple plan. Uh, I guess even something like sorcerer, um, yeah, film or wages of fear that it's based on, you know, something like that, I guess, uh, any, any of the bandit, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, not quite horror, but, you know, I see where you're going. Uh, if you hate rednecks. Yeah. It's a horror movie. Oh, yeah, if you hate rednecks, that's a terrifying film. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love this because it's such a human motivation, right? Just like the payday, the mm-hmm. one good score that's going to, like, set you up. It's 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 just well, don't such breathe. A, right. That's a little bit. Oh, of this, yeah, right? sure. Yeah, that's a great example. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, all of these like it just. Because one of the problems, you know, that you can find with writing a horror story is keeping your protagonist going forward when turning back mm-hmm. is the obvious, like the safer choice is the most obvious and likely choice. Mm-hmm. So the to use the the threat of living under capitalism as the motivating factor uh, to, like, keep your your hero going down the the dark road or opening the door with a scary sound behind it or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I just think it's such an interesting storytelling trope and I think you can mine so much from it. Uh, Cause you know, you can talk about safety uh, and you know, and OSHA compliance with, 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 <laughs> with alien, right? Right. But with house mm-hmm. of the devil, you can kind of look at 
you know, elder care and child care and how these things overlap and how they don't overlap enough or how they overlap too much or, you know, and, and sort of, uh, what, what standards we set for Mm -hmm. the care of people we're charged with caring with when we need to offload that responsibility. Uh, yeah, again, all, all kinds of avenues to approach it from, I think. Well, just that willingness to put up with an uncomfortable, somewhat unsafe situation because, well, I'll get in my paycheck and then I'll walk away from this thing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's green room is, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they particularly want to go to that show. No, but they yeah. know, and they even know when they do their joining little, the military. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, when they, when they do their interview, um, with that guy, right. He tells them before they drive off to the venues like, oh yeah, it is like a, I forget the exact terminology he uses was something in laces crowd. Yeah, like, right. Races and laces, yeah. Yeah, you make some allusion to it, and they're like, oh, okay, well, that sucks, but I guess we'll take the job. Yeah. And, and so it is just like, yeah, you you are making an ethical compromise, and what is what results from that? And, and you know, does that make the characters culpable in the situation mm-hmm. they found themselves in? How does that influence, like, our view as an audience? Again, I think there's a lot lot of there there. Uh, mm-hmm. What about you, Dustin? How would you teach The Last Voyage of the Demeter? Are you just going full Dracula mode with I it? I am going full Dracula mode, but I'm doing it within a module within an adaptation theory course. Okay. Uh, because I, I think that is the sort of interesting inspiration is that you take the single chapter and then you expand it out. And so I want to think about expanding out Dracula stories in general. And uh, there's a number of great examples of this, but I'm going to limit myself to probably just three. Um, one, including uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is a great example of this. So go back and do a, a Dracula prequel and I look at Luke Evans in Dracula Untold mm-hmm. uh, which is a movie that I think much like Voyage of the Demeter although much more expensive is simply just a solid good time and but not particularly innovative, innovative there and it's very much uh, have either of you seen the movie? No, but I remember huge, you liking it when it came huge out. Huge battle scenes and, you know, Dracula sort of as the general, you know, leading against Turkish forces, mm-hmm. you know, invasive Ottoman Empire kind of stuff there and making kind of the deal with the devil that needs to be done in order mm-hmm. to hold them back. And that's how he drags out. And uh, so that's interesting there. And it, it again gives some pathos to the character, makes him somewhat heroic, which I don't love, but it's fine uh, to do that. But it's just a way to think about, OK, the story that we know was part of it. We don't know much about, again, last voyage of the meter we have these sort of uh indications from the captain's log but there's not a lot of detail there so in the same kind of way we know that he did this sort of stuff we know that um the dracula character was sort of the last bastion of the christian west even though it's part of the christian east you know against the ottoman turk um so what does that look like in telling that story and then i want to flash forward to a hammer film uh from the 70s and i want to look at dracula ad 1972 which i assume neither of you have seen uh what a good time it's the first time i ever encountered a, an alia card character sure which is drag it's goblin spelled backwards it's neil bog it's it's that kind of idea and it just blew my mind because i was like eight uh when i saw it but it, again this sort of idea wow, what you- if dracula was asleep and one of the first movies that did this kind of thing and wakes up in the 70s and uh, swinging 70s british uh again this is this is peter cushing this is chris lee uh doing that hammer dracula thing I'm just thinking of you being a man of a certain age and of, of course you came to alucard not through Castlevania, no, uh, but but through a Hammer horror film. And yes, that's, that's just everything you need to know about Dustin in a nutshell. I well, think I didn't play video games that much. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, video games are fine, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was it for me, and I was like, ah, oh, when of course that uh, post dates this movie as well. Yeah, Castlevania does of so. Um, but yeah, Johnny Alucard, who's that? Uh, I'm sure he's fine. We should go home with him. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's totally normal and fine. And you know, the sort of updates, you know, swinging sixties. And I mean, the same thing that you might see in the West Craven presents in the, uh, Luthier, uh, Lucier, um, Dracula 2000 Mm -hmm. and following films do something similar to that. And they, they, they expand a backstory in an interesting way there with, uh, uh, Gerard Butler's Dracula being Judas Iscariot, which is kind of fun uh, to do that as well. And so finding other sources to do that. But just thinking about ways in which you can take an existing property that's really, really, really familiar and then find ways to find some new story or new kind of story to tell. And so I think the assignment here would probably be thinking about screenwriting itself. And so rather than simply just adaptation theory and thinking about way adaptations work, but how do you go about adapting an existing property? And so the final project that class would probably be taking an existing work and writing a treatment for an adaptation. You, know, you, you wouldn't want to write fun. a yeah. 90 page, you know, full out screenplay, but I hope somebody oh, ideas. comes to that class with a really good remake of vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what I was thinking. Yeah. About. 
That would be a good time. But there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus has got much longer, I believe. Now is the time we get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's And that's right, dear listener. And that business is, as always, analysis. I want to begin with a complaint. Uh, just one of those things that, I, that frustrated me about the movie. In that sometimes movies will make reference or allusion to other works and then not do anything with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that this movie, there really is a deeper version of this movie somewhere out there. Uh, but I'm thinking about our main character's name, which is Clemens, and our dog's name, which is Huck. Mm-hmm. And Clemens happens to be of African descent. And uh, I think the actor is, is the actor American or British? Corey? Corey Hawkins? I Corey think he's Hawkins. an American. I actually yeah. don't know. No, I'm pretty sure he's an American. It's, but no, nonetheless... Proceed with your point and I'll confirm. But my, my point is, there is this fascinating Huckleberry Finn thing that could have happened with this movie. And it's sort of like, hey, we could do that, and then doesn't. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, uh, that would have been great. A, a contemporary novel to, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the publication of Huck Finn is, but I know uh, Dracula was published in 1897, I want to say, and Huckleberry Finn is somewhere earlier, I believe, uh, in the 19th century, uh, 1885. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's ten years prior to that, but yeah, it's it's a great sort of possible influence. Of course, naming your dog Huck would mean that you read Huckleberry Finn, so it makes sense that the events would take place after that. But yeah, you could do this whole interesting thing about race, and I mean, there are a couple references to that insofar as uh, this um, black man who is now a doctor and not really respecting him, and him not being able to uh, find uh, gainful employment as a doctor trained at Cambridge, I believe, is it Cambridge or Oxford? I think it's Cambridge. Uh, yeah, but nonetheless, in one of those, you know, one of the two schools, right? Yeah, it's Cambridge. Um, and so that's all fun and interesting. But again, there could have been so many more layers. We could have done a gym thing with this. We could have, I mean, there was just so much opportunity. It takes it's place in the river. It's already two hours, bro. I don't know what else you want. I don't know. I, just, I, I think you could have done it in the time. You I want get, Dracula on a boat, Mississippi Queen? <laughs> I get what Dustin's saying, and this is sort of <clears throat> the, the comment I made earlier about the film being like, see, it's 2023. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard this, but Hollywood's woke now. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. Uh, yeah. You. Oh, 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 look, a lady who has agency. Ah, I see. I see. Ah, a doctor, and he's, and he's black, and it's the 19th century. Oh, <laughs> It's like, okay, but we don't do anything, right? right? It is just sort of like these little gestures at like, ah, isn't the world an interesting place? And hasn't it always been like, you know, we, we, it's fun to go back in time and say, realistic or not, like, let's consider the narratives we have of the past and consider how they could have been different or, you know, these, these different possibilities or, you know, maybe untold stories that we've never heard. Like, again, cool, interesting, sure. But as with most things in this movie, it is sort of set up and not paid off in any way, yeah. shape, or form. I don't know, though, but I think also the kind of double-edged sword there is is if you take away the agency or you you know, whitewash, not whitewash, I mean, make it more historically accurate, right? Mm-hmm. Then it faces additional criticism, right? Sure, sure. It's just like in the weird world we live in, like yeah. to try and be historically accurate. But then, I don't know. Right. Well, the, I mean, the banning of Huck Finn is for yeah. an example of that anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, I was sort of interested in uh, the the use of just an, a Russian guy who's an asshole. <laughs> Speaking of kind of Have obvious things. Just sort of just sort of classic uh, Western storytelling trope. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, another another thing that there's there's and no maybe there a drunk, there, right? Yeah, and yeah. maybe a like, drunk. Yeah, it's a movie that deals in stereotypes. Sure. I mean, our Romani, our Romani people are sort of weirdly um, superstitious. Of course, they're right, but they are weirdly superstitious, mm. and so yeah. Um, it is very funny that our our beloved uh, David Dasmalshian, mm-hmm. uh, Persian American. I think he's a, a Persian, or I think one of his parents is Iranian. Is my point, and he's playing a Polish guy. Great shit, I <laughs> love it. Who cares? Yeah, this totally. movie does not give a crap. Uh, I'm curious from an adaptation standpoint, real quick, adaptation standpoint detour. Uh, you know the like the. 
uh, VO that we get from Liam Cunningham's character, you know, the captain about, mm-hmm. about like today somebody had a weird wound. Mm-hmm. Is, are, are any of those like taken verbatim from there the text? Are, I don't know if they're verbatim or not. They're I didn't go close. back and, but yes, they are. I mean, that is the kind of thing is like you get the idea. Oh no, he is stalking the ship and they're slowly missing people. People are falling ill and mm-hmm. you know, eventually it's just, Oh, the horror, the horror. And it's, you know, it, it, it the, the scary is played out in what it doesn't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of the effect of the, uh, reading of it in the novel gotcha. and that's because they don't know they don't mm-hmm. know what's going on yeah. and so that's fine and that kind of lends us to that idea of whether or not there's any suspense in a movie that is taken from this chapter in which we know Dracula is going to get to England if we know the story at all mm-hmm. but also a movie that is titled The Last Voyage of the Demeter I mean yeah everybody is it, they're doomed it's going to die but I I, I'm with you, Arthur. I don't think the suspense um, is sort of undercut by that knowledge. I think, I mean, it's the same thing of doing a historical thriller. You know, if you think of Argo, you think, I mean, or something like, I just watched an IAD that came out this year. We watched it the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know Diana Nyad's story. I was alive when it happened. Uh, you know, I it was like 10 years ago that she does this thing. I don't know. I probably saw it on the news 10 years ago, but I've forgotten. Um, but I watched this movie completely enthralled with mm, whether or sure. not she's going to succeed. Right. And so there's a way in which you have to rely on writing to some degree, but also a lot in your editing mm-hmm. um, and showing stakes and things like that. LOL. Um, <laughs> that can build this level of suspense or tension. And so uh, I, I think it's I think it's a failure of criticism to completely discredit a story, even if it is, I guess, predictable in that we know what's coming next. Right. Right. But there's also a way in which if Universal wanted to, they could have just, I mean, they could just rewrite the Dracula mythos now. And Clemens can go after Dracula and that could be a thing and Harker could never show up, right? And then more critics will complain and, you know, but I mean, there's a way in which basing it on something that we already know. But that's any book adaptation. It's not just an adaptation of a chapter. It's an adaptation of any story that people are familiar with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like watching the stand and being mad that the flu virus kills all his people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, it's a weird place to kind of find criticism, especially within adaptation. Um, and I think it is a becomes a burden on the filmmakers to be able to try to say, okay, they know what is going to happen. How can we lean into that and begin to subvert those expectations, capitalize on those expectations, maybe play with some new ideas while still remaining, you know adaptationally faithful, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you know, thematically, atmospherically, whatever, um, to be able to get us to a place. And I think we do that. We, I mean, what we know about the Demeter is the Demeter shows up in Port in London in, yeah. in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that something has happened uh, and Dracula has gotten off this boat as a dog, right? As yes. He is a dog, right? A wolf, in yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, it, it really does become a fill in the blanks from there. And so the idea of Clemens and his backstory and David Desmond's uh, <laughs> narrative and the captain's narrative and his grandchild and like and the girl yeah yeah, yeah. I mean all these elements that aren't really present or maybe hinted at can become fleshed out and can be built up and you can create suspense because the movie sets us up with like the end right I mean we see the the wreckage mm-hmm. so now it's like how did we get here right and any movie that has that sort of wraparound narrative is kind of relying on these same ideas. And I think it does it in an interesting way to give us these characters that we can follow that can believably, okay, one person survived, able to make it back to shore. And now we've got something here, mm-hmm. a possible f- sequel if whatever happens. If so, anybody saw the movie. Yeah, and they did not, unfortunately. No, no. Uh, a, a cataclysmic bomb. Yeah. yeah. A movie that might as well not exist. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Hey, it, it's happened before and things find new life and home media and maybe it'll find an audience in 10 years and again I, the, the criticism of the movie just it, it just baffles me and movie criticism in general I mean this is a thing I've bemoaned before but you know there's an idea which I, I love a movie that's innovative I, I love a movie that does something new and tells a story in a different kind of way or uses the camera in a different kind of way or lighting or whatever like I, I love layers and depth and that kind of stuff and so yeah I mean I, I get wanting that but I also enjoy just a you know straight up this is a slasher movie 
movie. This mm-hmm. is a straight up, uh, it's it's Halloween, not Halloween, it's Alien on a Boat. I'm, I'm there for that. I, I'm, I'm there for just a, a straight up thriller movie where we've got a bad guy who's doing this sort of bad guy stuff and a cop's got to catch him. And there might be just, you know, whatever the wrinkle is of how they're getting away with it. But it's always the same kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I happen to know that. It's from you know the Arthur thing and look at it he's got the cup the cup or whatever you know this yeah. the, the standard kind of clue kind of solving and it's completely forgettable after you watch it but it's fun while you do and there's nothing wrong with it it's weird because they, they sort of expect you if you're going to do something familiar it's like okay now you need to adapt twinkle twinkle little star but you need to write the score for I don't know washing machine and fire extinguisher and if you don't do that everyone is just lost and I don't know it irritates me it irritates me in crazy ways how what do you mean? Because I, I that's not what this is. Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that this is this is not what it's even. A hamburger's allowed to be hamburger. Yeah, exactly. Don't gotcha. don't, don't go to a hamburger joint and get mad because they don't have tacos. Yeah, and 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 that's it's it's kind of that kind of thing, and it just that's frustrates fair. me. It is sort of an interesting, you know, a quirk of people who do this professionally. And again, what you guys do professionally, you know, academic, the the world of academic film analysis is different than the world of film criticism, obviously. But, you know, there is overlap, you know, plenty of film critics dip their toes into more analytical frameworks and plenty of, you know, film analysis types are also evaluating the quality of the film. So again, I'm I'm just say all that to say the two have overlap. Uh, But I, I wonder if it is a feature of folks who have to see everything and have to do a write-up of everything and is it just simply a uh a quirk of the profession that you get kind of bored with things that are samey and you you have a harder Mm. time giving uh giving leeway and again this film hasn't been like it has been well received but hasn't been panned either it's got like like a 45 or yeah so equally divided yeah about half of critics think it's fine Mm -hmm. but it is, I mean, I think what we're talking about has also got a lot to do with, like, the flattening of discourse because of uh, review aggregators. Well, and I guess, yeah. you know, when you're doing it for your job, and, it, you know, even though, yes, academic film analysis is part of my job. But I, but I still think there is a tendency for a lot of critics, especially younger critics, um, probably more so, to just immediately write off a film when they see the trailer. Mm. Like, they see the trailer and they immediately have a judgment. And I've seen this on both sides, like... They'll say, I mean, we see it with Chris Nolan, like Chris Nolan's got a new movie. It's going to be a masterpiece, right? I mean, there's this immediate judgment within the head that this film is going to meet Zack Snyder. We've got this new Dead Moon or whatever coming out, right? I mean, but it's the same. And I am going to make us all watch it and review it at some point. Oh, I will be watching Rebel <laughs> Moon on night one, 7 p.m. Central Standard or Pacific Standard Time. Um, they keep advertising that. Great. <laughs> it is that same idea. I mean, it's on both sides. Like there are critics who can't take a bias out. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I... I don't remember how this is. I may have saw a trailer and I try to stay away from trailers. And that's just the thing I do because marketing can paint a picture of your, I mean, it's going to shape your expectations. And again, that's not a fault of a movie because many times these are third party agencies making trailers. It's not sure. the director, right? Uh, so yeah, very few filmmakers yeah. get that control. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that's a, a, I mean, if I was an audience, I saw a trailer, I was expecting a thing went in and that wasn't the thing. I would understand that backlash. Mm-hmm. Right? right. But I think critics who, immediate i mean that that's a difference like common audiences i can see that expectation but if you're a film critic you know how marketing works you understand how that can mispaint a picture of a film and to make an assessment of a movie's quality and what it will do based purely on the trailer alone i think is damaging i mean i think that was a big thing that happened with dungeons and dragons i think a lot of people saw that trailer and kind of wrote it off and then that movie came out and was everyone's like oh wow this is actually like it's very fun yeah Yeah. but i think there's a way in which a lot of younger critics specifically i think will look at a thing and just immediately either make that decision before the movie ever comes out i thought you were when you said specifically will and i thought you were about to say a last name like this this one (laughs) 20 something critic yeah i've got names put him on blast arthur brings out it starts waving papers i have a list now there are sometimes you can see a trailer and you can know within your heart that yeah it's probably gonna suck and you'll go and it'll suck but well, you can so kind you of have that sort of for me, not for me judgment, you, and, yeah. which is, I, again, but that's still not a judgment of quality of the movie. Well, that's, no. the, I mean, here's an example for me. Like Wonka's coming out is out now mm-hmm. in theaters. Go see it. I don't know if it's good or not. Um, but seeing that trailer, I was immediate like, I don't know that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Chalamet is going to work. The Zumba Loom thing is going to work. I don't know. I'm very hesitant about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also kind of curious to see it because I want to know if it does or doesn't work. 
So I will try to watch it, but I, I try not to write it off immediately. Like, nah, this is a failure of filmmaking mm. and we should not be making movies anymore. Or yeah. whatever. Like, well, likewise, you don't want to get too excited about something. I think uh, a good example is uh, this past week, the uh, trailer for Alex Garland's hotly anticipated Civil War yeah. dropped. Good trailer. Good trailer. Good bad trailer. discourse. Bad discourse. Discourse will be bad. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just will be. It has yes. already been, from what I've, I mean, very briefly. Oh, seen, I didn't even dip my toes well, in I yet. mean, yeah, you just kind of see overview, right? You just scroll through lines it. Being drawn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, just let the thing come out and be a thing, man. Just yeah. wait. Well, I, don't, I mean, that's, I, it's the world we live in. I agree. In. It could be a disaster because, mm-hmm. like, big subject matter, uh, you know, big swing. So, I, but hey, again, like, it's, it's easy to get swept up in the the hype machine in one way or the other. It's hard not to sometimes yeah. just by virtue of like the way we sort of group process stuff as, yeah. cause it's hard to do whether you're doing what we're doing and making a little, little side podcast on the, or a little podcast on the side or whether you're writing for a legacy publication, it's hard to cover this stuff and not be pretty online just, or at least a little bit online. I'm sure. Kind of plugged into like the hype machine, the media stuff, the, the discourse and all of that. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I, I don't really think about it that much about how trailers color people's perceptions, but maybe I should, because I mean, we can, you can plenty point to plenty of examples. I think a, a great one from the last, you know, decade or so is uh, Jennifer's body. I know people love yeah. to highlight that one. Well, I think but, it comes at night is another one I think about a lot where it's yeah. just kind of very sold as this mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic survival horror film and becomes something much different than mm-hmm. that when you watch it. Yeah. Like yeah, that. and I don't know if this movie's going to have those kind of legs. No. You know, and, and but it doesn't need to either. I, 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 I think in terms of your critical view, I mean, is the score good? Yeah. Do they use the sets and does it have the scope in an interesting kind of way? I, yeah. Are the performances good? Yeah. So, I mean, what do you want? Well, here's the thing. I mean, and, and thinking about that idea, right? Here's a good, I think, kind of 90s uh thing to think about is we, we watched Michael on this episode mm-hmm. or on the show like mm. two or three years ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of us have thought about Michael in 20 years when it came out in 96, but it made like a hundred and something million. It was a huge box office success, but it doesn't have that kind of long lasting impact. And I think that's sure. the kind of thing we're lamenting here is like, it's, it's a fun, entertaining movie, but it doesn't have to like, Citizen Kane, the, the the next generation of filmmakers or whatever. Yeah, right? it's, it's not Vendor's Wings of yeah, Desire, yeah. and it doesn't need to be, you know, yeah. Yeah, but another film podcast in 20 years could come along and watch Voyage of the Demeter and have maybe the same reaction to it that we had to Michael, which is, oh, this has kind of been lost to time or whatever. This is a good time, yeah. I'm kind of talking about, I'm, this is interesting, because I feel like there's two separate things going on right there's that there's nothing to substance about this movie so we've kind of parlayed completely into sure <laughs> but that happens on the show you know sure. sometimes we're like let's yeah. talk about yeah, film yeah. discourse analyze and, its symbols yeah, yeah. and let's, it doesn't really have them yeah you know. so let's look how does it how does the film fit into the culture right if we can't yeah. figure out what the movie says yeah, yeah, yeah but i think there's there's two things going on right that's there's the difficulty of pinning down a movie when it comes out mm-hmm. right because talking about a new movie is way different than talking yeah. about a movie yep. that we already know the cultural impact and my of. Drastic preference is older movies for that reason. Sure, I, it's, yeah. it's easy. Let them cook for a while. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I think that's that's mm-hmm. why I do have so much respect for people who are on the critic grind because mm-hmm. you are having to like. Here is a declaration of my taste and why I think. And here is me clarifying my experience of watching this and how it made me feel. And this is why you should think about that. It's it's tough. And so I, I think number one, there's the the question of like, how do you deal with a film that's brand new and we don't really know what it means yet as you said hasn't finished cooking in some ways uh, and two like what is your threshold for passable mm-hmm. at what point do you go ah yeah gentleman six nice at bat yeah good on you yeah and at what point do you go hmm i don't really care that was stinky you know and i think a lot of this is taste a lot of this is uh personal interest you know i mean this is ultimately about the subjectivity of film at some level like some for some people, a thing not doing something new is really frustrating, and I, I, I'm a, I'm always kind of leery of that criticism myself. It's mm-hmm. like, well, only so many things can be something new. Right. Lots of things are riffs on a on known quantity. Um, is there at any point in this movie where you you stop and go, 
they're not going to kill the kid. Because <laughs> let's talk about that. That's one of the most interesting. I thought about it. I was like, on. "There's no way the kid's going to die." Well, no. As soon as, they, as soon as the kid shows up, I'm like, "Oh, they're going to kill him too." I mean, because everybody dies. I mean, I knew everybody dies, and so I was like w- watching with dread of but how. But not everybody gonna... does die. Yeah, which well, so I mean, that becomes they, they a very deliberate it. choice. They did have a survivor, and it was not the kid. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, going in, he could have that idea, but at the end of the film, thinking about you know, it is. Surprising to kill. I mean, it is because it is a Hollywood movie. To me, it is a surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, likewise, you know, it's it's getting less surprising, but um, it's because of the history of Hollywood horror and not just Hollywood horror, but especially Hollywood horror. It is interesting for your horror movies, final girl to be a black man like that. Just that's a character that is going to get iced in a lot of horror movies just because of you know, the nature of the business and yep. racism within that institution. Um, but so that, that's an interesting choice. And again, like killing the kid is always a big creative swing. I mean, that's, you know, not uh, plenty of, you know, novels and un- un- not un-American uh, films made outside of America. The you know, American House Committee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to my new Senate committee where I get really cranky about what happens to kids in movies. Hey, Joe McCarthy. What do you think about cuties? <laughs> God, speaking of discourse. Oh my gosh. Jeez. I think back to Dustin's point, though. I think the question that came up to me was it was more of, okay, how is this kid going to get off the boat? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I was like, okay, like, Surely they're not going to kill this kid. Mm. Was kind of where I was at. Yeah, there's got to be an escape hatch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's well, the escape pod? <laughs> and conceivably, I guess he could have made it alongside Clemens, and they could have formed the Scooby Gang, and that would have been fun. The sort of plucky kid. Well, there's your yeah, there's, there's your, your Tom and Huck sequel. There's your sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> right? Not, I mean, they're on a raft, floating away from yeah. the meter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally a thing, right? But that's not what they ended up doing with it, which is fine. I mean, I, I think killing the kid was fine to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't let him go in a blaze of glory. That's I like a bold it. choice. <laughs> God, so fucking brutal. Ugh, just catching on fire. It's a little they're... mean. It's not cruel, but the movie's a little mean. Yeah, it goes pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's deaths are which I mean, quite gruesome. If you've seen, I don't know, have you? You've I haven't seen, seen Troll few, Hunter. No, I was yeah. gonna say scary stories. Oh uh, no. I mean, I forgot he did that too. Yeah, he gets to be a yeah. little mean to the kids there. So I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's not a huge surprise, but. If I'm in a slasher, I obviously expect harm to befoul the teens, right? I mean, that's just the rules of the game. Um, So to see it here was, I mean, just surprising. I think it's the right move. Well, and it well motivates our captain to sort of become unmoored and like untrust, not untrustworthy, but like unreliable. Sure. Yeah. 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 It like works to take the most stalwart character and totally upend everything about his experience. Yeah. He may, it does make him by nature unpredictable at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We could have had like this whole like unreliable narrator thing about the captain's log, where like mm, interesting he just slaughters everybody or on board, like, or he's like Renfielded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, that would have been a different movie. Hey, Arthur, you want to hear me go totally Dustin Cinema Sins mode? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what's the deal with this blood transfusions or magic bullshit? You can't just put anybody's blood in somebody's body. At least in Mad Max Fury Road, the him being <laughs> the a universal bags. donor is a plot point. Yeah. You can't just go around putting blood in people. <laughs> you just can't do what it. What are we doing? And we hadn't I I did we I, we were I had cursed it over to watch this was Beck and I. We all stopped the movie to do research on when blood typing was discovered, <laughs> which was a couple years out. No, it was either that or just leeching everybody. Like he's got yeah. a bag of leeches, right? Yeah. Just they, they they do that also in the book where it, it oh, I mean, really yeah Lucy gets transfusions from Seward from Morris oh and, that's right and they even do it yeah, in the and, and, and Lord um, Bram Stoker's yeah, yeah and Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's yeah, yeah that, that plot point makes it into the adaptation yeah I forgot about that dumb yeah dumb dumb we but didn't understand science we just thought we knew how things the worked. reason why it's working is because they're being vamped and so yeah. there's a whole nother set of problems and so they don't have the allergic reaction or get whatever I guess because vampire science i don't even know yeah i guess because i guess because vampire science yeah yeah that's the doctorate i want to pursue is that yeah. how the, the rules, doctor in vampire science the, the vampirism rules work in the novel you don't have to be like you don't have to do any vampire blood drinking yourself you just you get bit you become a, a thrall and if, if you, you get bit enough you turn into a vampire if you drink of dracula's blood you get infected oh it is it is yeah. those the classic swapping. rules yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. A, little, a little spit swapping thing so, yeah well he, as buffy would say there's a lot of sucking involved yeah, <laughs> yeah if he just drinks you you're dead Gotcha. Okay. Or unless, unless you don't die, but, but in, or you can get away. So interesting for them to kind of up in those rules a little bit for this mm-hmm. movie because everybody that gets bit, you know, is transforming, yeah. transforming in some it's, way. It's the rabies transfer, which seems to become a more common, I think, understanding of yeah the vampirism. But it removes them some of the the sexual aspect too. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also looks weird. If this Dracula is giving you the you know the time of day. Yeah. He's, 
He's a big old goblin. monster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just, come here. It's, it's much more Nosferatu, yeah. <laughs> big time. I'm, I'm there for it. Very heavily influenced by the look of, of that. Orlock. Yeah. The yeah. classic Orlock makeup, yeah. I have it here in my notes. Uh, all men over 55 want to die heroically for their boat and child. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really, I don't know that I have any big sweeping Forgotten analysis country there. for boat and child, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, just a theory about uh, men at the, you know, men, men in of their, valor kind of a mm -hmm. thing. Totally, yeah. The, the yeah, classic yeah. heroic, well. heroic sacrifice, dying You're going to well. die anyway. I don't want to die in my bed. I want to yeah. die. Yeah. It, it feels like on. on the gunswale. Yeah. And yeah. especially Twilight Years uh, sort of feeling, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of a classic character. I'm running trip. out of chances to... Yeah. kick over the, in a good way it makes me want to just ask men of a certain age about that particular trope and how they feel about it because it is you know such a classic trope and it's not always written by men of that age mm -hmm. so you'd be interested to to ask you know i assume i assume when yeah. i'm 55 i'm gonna want i would rather be eaten by a dracula than you know yeah, yeah. have a coronary i, I, I want to <laughs> well, yeah i mean i want to jump in front of the Cujo style, dog. Right? yeah yeah exactly um stuff legends are made of mm-hmm um, I don't know that I have anything. Um, oh, I guess there's one final kind of fun. I don't know. It's very obvious and it's not particularly deep, but there's this question of life and whether or not it's meant to be uh, experienced and accepted oh, right. or understood. Clemens whole thing, oh, right? Like yeah. what is life? Why is, yeah. is what's life worth living for in his kind of existential question? What's the deal <sighs> with racism? Yeah. Et it sounds like a thing you read on a tab for tea. Um, <laughs> tab soda. Yeah. It is. It is sort of kind of classic screenplay faux deep. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's like, what is it? Yeah, I want kind of both. Life is for revenge. I'm going to get you, Dracula. I mean, that is what we end Dracula. on. Dracula. Not, not done. Well, that feels like a good time to bring this, <laughs> this boat into port, hey, I suppose. Let's, let's render a verdict. So, shelf or trash, Arthur, go. Uh, I would just very, 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 very lightly uh, put this on top of the trash bin. Um, nothing offensive here. Uh, had a good time. I think mm -hmm. it looks great. Um, so yeah, but if if, if, you, if you don't catch up with it, you're not going to be lost. Dalton Shelver Trash. Don't buy this movie. Come on. Don't don't make the mistake we did. We had to buy this so we could cover it for the show. We had to invite it into our home so <laughs> yeah, that we could watch it. <laughs> oh no! And now it will not leave. Um, I'm also going to say trash. It is it is a very good time. I'm not at all mad. I watched it either but it's not it's it, it, there's other vampire movies yeah, there's other vampire movies it's not canon forming or any of that kind of stuff but it's a great time and definitely worth watching if, mm -hmm. if you were just looking to say hey i'd like to see alien on a boat it's an easy way to kill a couple hours yeah absolutely yeah. and it's and it, you won't be mad you did it mm -hmm. so there you go uh we are done with our discussion and you need to tell us why we're wrong dear listener and dalton's going to tell you how that's right how else should they rip off alien <laughs> what other books deserve to have one chapter adapted. I thought about that for my syllabus for for a minute. Like, yeah, what could I, I kind do? of worked on it, like a like a Les Mis kind of thing. Yeah. Or something. yeah. yeah. Uh, if you have thoughts to the on these questions, you can send your uh, ideas and answers to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. That's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for all your long form feedback. Um, if you're not already, please rate, review, subscribe, and all that bullshit. You know, you've listened to a podcast before. Smash that like button. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're, I don't know which no. podcatcher you're blah, using. Blah, blah. <laughs> follow us. Um, One follower. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Invite us into your phone. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, do that stuff. Uh, if you want to follow us individually, we're all on Letterboxd. Uh, come, come find what we have to say about the movies we've been watching. Um, he's uh, Dustin Sell. Are you just Dustin Sells on Letterboxd? Um, yeah, I think, I'm, right. I think I'm just Dustin Sells. No That's underscores. Right. Gotcha. And then you are uh, the Arthur Gordon. The Arthur Gordon on Letterboxd. I'm Dollywood Squares. Uh, pretty much everywhere, including Letterboxd, you are going to have to drop the A in squares on Letterboxd. Scurs. Scurs character limits uh last but certainly not least if you want to help us keep the lights on uh help us buy movies that aren't streaming so we can cover them uh, yes please you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm thank you to find out what's in it for you uh oh i guess other plugs uh go listen to the praise down uh go listen to the wheel of randy check out the other shows that uh, are under the good trash media banner uh, and if you're local, come to Alex Sanchez and I's uh, movie interruption show Thursdays at uh, Rodeo Cinema on Film Row, 7 p.m. Uh, we just did 1931's Kept Husbands. That was fun. Interesting movie. 
Who's in Kept Husbands? Uh, Joel McRae. Joel McRae. Okay, from, yeah, yeah. From, from Most Dangerous Game. Or Foreign co- Correspondent is what I was thinking. Uh, but okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of why we covered it, because he was in Most Dangerous Game, which is the first thing we did. Gotcha. And then uh, Dorothy McHale, who was like a Seville Follies girl. Mm, okay. Um, kind of had a, an okay career. And then Ned Sparks, who is like one of the comedy character actors oh, of, of yeah. the time. Uh, anyway, we did that. But next, we're going to do Vincent Price's The Last Man on Earth. Yes. Uh, so oh, Matheson, yeah. That's right. So anyway, Sundays or not Sundays. Sunday, Sundays Sunday. when the three of us sat down. Thursdays at seven PM on Film Row. You got too much going on in your life. That's too there's too many damn things going on. Speaking of, what else did I have to watch? What what else wink wink is next in this twenty twenty three marathon? Well, I, I guess now that the the boat's in the harbor for the year, we gotta do the thing we've been doing for the last few years. And we're going to take a look at the highest grossing film of 2023. Domestic box office. Yeah. And I think it's both (laughs) this year. That's true. Um, Because this movie was an absolute smash. uh, Thanks in part to a particular hashtag uh, that drove the world pink. Next week, we finish out with Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Sounds like a good time. I wonder if there's more discourse around Barbie than there is Dustin the last said you can't the talk about Oppenheimer. I'm not going to. Okay. Why would it's I? off the table. I don't want to. Okay. That, I'm just... Barbie's sure. got enough meat on the bone, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think we're going to need to pull from outside movies. I think there's plenty there. Barbie is knuff. Barbie is knuff. <laughs> we're just a bunch of kins. Uh, yeah. No, that's absolutely... We are, Maybe an Allen or two. I don't know. I, you know, I think we should all be striving for, well, for I strive Alan. for Alan. That's what I'm going for. And I, I was reminded by my wife. I am. I am an Alan. I'm I, landing on Ken as often as I'm landing on Alan. I <laughs> <laughs> guess we'll talk about it more next week. That's though. right. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time.